Jonathan Nato, and I'm a blind guy. I'm Hamad Zaidi, and I have a disability. This is Limping on Cloud Nine. We're at number 51, my friend. Oh, yeah. Today, I want to talk about a really very cool experience I had with a dear friend of mine who, God rest his soul, passed away a couple of years ago. Mm. My friend was a really tremendous author. And this story is how I was one element in inspiring him to write one of his novels. Okay. It's kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. That sounds awesome. So let's take you back to the mid-90s, probably 1994-ish. I was introduced to Carl Alexander. Carl is incredible. Incredible writer. The most famous thing that he wrote that, that he's known for is he wrote the novel called Time After Time, Oh, right? okay, okay. That turned into a very successful Warner Brothers film of the same title. And the story was Jack the Ripper goes through Time Machine into the 1970s San Francisco. Mm. Now, for people saying, wait a minute, that seems really familiar. I believe one of the major networks tried to do a Time After Time TV series last fall. There were six or seven episodes, and then it didn't go further. okay. But but the movie was really successful in 1980. And Carl wrote several, several books. But here's the cool thing about Carl. His dad wrote the screenplay to Old Yeller. No kidding. Yeah. And his uncle wrote the screenplay to Ben-Hur. Man, no, no pressure, Carl. <laughs> nah, no, no pressure. In fact, I knew Carl for, uh, you know, almost 25 years before he passed. It was uh, an amazing friendship. We'd get together. We'd have lunch. We'd talk about books. We'd talk about movies. We, I just loved the guy. Really inspiring, wonderful guy. Came to my wedding with his amazing wife, Katiri. Just so much fun. So here's where the story goes. Carl tried for three decades to write a sequel to Time After Time, Mm. right? And he just couldn't get it right. He just kept trying to update the story, and it just wasn't working. You know, this was a running joke with us because I knew him for over two decades. Yeah. So I'm always like, man, how's a sequel to Time After Time? And he just rolled his eyes and said, come on, (laughs) come on. I'm like, Carl, you've got to do it. Everything's being updated. You've got to find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Right? So sometime in maybe 2005-ish, around there, I was having breakfast with him in Westlake Village, which is where I used to live before I moved down to the beach. Okay. And we're at breakfast, and we're talking about the sequel for Time After Time, and he's like, man, I can't figure it out. It's just not working. And I was just joking. I go, man, I've got an idea for you. I've got an idea. And he goes, what's your idea? And I said, don't laugh at me. Don't laugh, because I'm being serious, kind of, almost. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, go ahead. And I said, Jacqueline the Ripper. Oh, man. And he's like, he's like, what? And I said, dude, make Jack the Ripper a woman. Make it so that in the time travel, something switched, and he's a woman. His eyes got really big, and he's like, I don't know if that could work. And I'm like, of course it could work. It's a great idea, dude. It's a great idea. And he's like, ah, okay, Hamad, let, let's talk about something else. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then flash forward two years. We were now two weeks away from my wedding. Okay. So, th- 
this was December 2007-ish. Carl calls me and says, hey, man, I got something for you. And I'm like, okay, what is it? So I meet him, and he gives me the galleys of this novel called Jacqueline the Ripper. Right? <laughs> and I look at it, and I said, you sold it? And he goes, yeah, man, it's coming out from a major publisher. And he goes, take a look at the, at the first page. On the very first page in the thank yous, it actually says, the concept of this book was conceived over breakfast with my dear friend Hamad Lady. Thanks, dude. That, right? is, that is funny. <laughs> so it was just a weird little instance. And the cool thing is, it made me feel so good about my abilities because I had so much deep respect for Carl. Right? Yeah. Amazing, amazing writer. Just a tremendous writer. And I also had a deep respect for him because he took an idea. Uh, all I had was the concept. He did all the work. Right, right. He had the characters. They were already his characters. So I wasn't giving him anything new. I was just giving him a different angle. Yeah, yeah. To, to help him sell what he'd already created. Right? But just a wild story because it really validated me to me because I thought, wow, man. You know, maybe your ideas are actually half good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, he, know? you just kind of threw it out there, and he he like you know obviously ran with it. You know, well, not just ran with it. The cool thing is, most people run with a, an idea that's really good, but ninety nine percent of the people don't give credit where credits due. Yeah. So for him to mention me in his novel and just say that it was conceived over breakfast with me. I thought it was super classy and very, very cool. And I hope he is on an old typewriter up in heaven, just pecking his keys away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty that, wild, isn't it? It is. It, now, was it on, cause you said it was like a major publisher. Like, was it, do you know if like this book did better than the, the time after time one or. You know what? I'm I'm not sure if it did better because the other one gets a lot more credit because it, it had a, had a, a major studio right. make a movie over it. Right, right. Right. But I know it did well and I know that it was really well written because I read it twice. And I, I read it the first time when he gave it to me and the second time when I found out he died. Mm, mm. Man, it was a shock to the system when he died. You know, you never think your close friends are going to go. Yeah, not, well, I'm assuming he was, like, you know, young or whatever, youngish or whatever, right? No, 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 he was older. He was probably 25 years older than me. Oh, okay. So he, he was at least 20 years older than me. Okay. So he wasn't, but youngish in this country these days is anything under 80, right? Right, right. So so by those standards, he was youngish. Yeah. But by by young standards, not as, not as so. Yeah, yeah. You know? But what's crazy is... There's two other novels or two other books that that I was mentioned in. No kidding. And, yeah, it's kind of weird. One was the first book from Paul Griffin. Okay. And and this, this is another podcast entirely. But Paul Griffin was the writer, director, and actor of a movie called The Lamastas, which is the first motion picture that I executive produced. That's cool. Really cool. And more importantly, and that was very important, Polly, but more importantly for me, Paul actually played me in the only short film I've ever made that's called Baptized at Lucky Loop. 
Oh yeah, I remember the minute you said Polly, I was like, wait a minute, I think this is the guy that played him in that in, in the short film. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Paul, pla- Paul played me in Baptized at Lucky Loop, which is the only short film I've ever made, which wound up playing um, 28 film festivals in six countries that I'm deeply proud of. And we'll have to talk about that someday. Yeah, definitely. And then the last one is uh, my mentor from UCLA Film School, Dr. Howard Suber. He wrote this incredible book called The Power of Film. Mm. I'm one of his former students that he asked to write about him or about the book in the uh, pages of the book. Yeah. So so my quote is in that book. That's so cool. I, I've got a quote in Howard Suber's The Power of Film. I've got a thank you in Ten Mile River from Paul Griffin and a thank you in Carl Alexander's Jacqueline the Ripper. The only problem is... I have yet to finish my own damn novel. (laughs) (laughs) So I can get mentioned in others, but I've got to like, you know, I type one handed, but that's not an excuse. I've got to sit down and actually finish, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm in, I'm in the same boat myself. So. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to mention the whole being mentioned in um, these books isn't because I was mentioned, because to me, I'm very thankful and very honored that I was mentioned. But to me, it's more of, I was a little kid growing up that no one thought would go anywhere in life, right? Yeah. Anywhere. My 12th grade English teacher used to call me a nomad. And she's like, you're my, you're my nomad because no one ever knows what's going to happen to you. I think you're just going to disappear. And... That was ingrained in me. Now, like I've said in many podcasts before, my family and friends were always super positive about my ability. But, you know, I was kind of out there growing up. And she goes, I don't know what's going to happen to you, Hamad, but you're a little nomad. You're kind of all over the place. And for me to have that opinion from my senior English teacher and for me to find my way to work with and be friends with and be respected in the sense that I got my thank yous in these books is a huge climb. Yeah. For me. At least. Yeah. I mean, what didn't you say before, like your guidance counselor talked to your parents was like, don't, don't, you know, don't invest your money to him going to higher education. <laughs> like you're, you're going to be oh, wasting you, your money. Yeah, absolutely. That was the same year that right. Right. That was my senior year. Yeah. Yeah. And, so my English teacher told me that she thought I was a nomad and she didn't know what would happen to me. And and she was right. She has no idea what happened to me. Right. I've yeah. lived an amazing life. Right. Just not the, when she said it. I think she said it to, toward the negative, not the positive. Right. Right. But my high school guidance counselor told my parents in front of me. It wasn't even hearsay right in front of me. She's like, save your money. He's not college material. At best, he could do vocational schooling. Man. He should not go to college. And, and my, uh, my mom and dad are like, not only is he going to go to college, but we're going to push him to get a master's degree. And she laughed. She laughed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> she, she liked it. And then, you know, anyway, I don't want to go negative on it, but I'm glad that, uh, you know, maybe her insistence of me being a, a loser to be. Yeah, yeah. Was, was one of the things that drove me not to be. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. 
And it's, and, it's you know? to, and it's good to hear. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of other people, disabled or not, that are told by people, ah, you should you should just settle for this. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not talented enough or you'll never make it in industry X. Like, you should just settle for whatever and be happy that you get that. Like, you know, just because other people say that about you doesn't mean it's true. No, but the only... You know what? I'll, I'll leave you on this thought. I don't mean to be negative. So if you're out there, please don't take this negative. But I've always believed one thing. When I'm on my deathbed, and hopefully that will be many decades from now, hopefully. But when I'm on my deathbed, when I'm ready to take my very last breath, if I have not accomplished the things I've wanted to accomplish in my life, the only person that I fault is myself. Mm. And I remind myself that Every day. Some days it's hard to, but I do remind myself that, that, hey, you know what? Your successes and your failures and everything in between is your doing. Don't don't blame others. Don't put the point, you know, don't point at, hey, if I wasn't disabled, I'd get more opportunities, even though that's probably true. You can't use it as a uh, as an excuse. Right. You just can't. Right. So on that note, if you're writing a novel like Jonathan is and like I am. And you're sitting on your butt thinking about the fact that you don't have time to write. How about you stop listening to this podcast and go write? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on, that, on that note, that's what I have for everybody today. Awesome, yeah. So if you guys want to check us out on iTunes, check us out on Google Play, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, any other podcatcher on uh, Android, you can find us. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Thank you, everyone, for sharing and, again, for downloading. The numbers continue to climb, so we just thank you, everyone. And, uh, you know, don't forget, please, uh, like I said, share us, like us and on uh, all the social media networks. Just spread the word. Let other people find us, and we need your help for that. So and also don't forget to check out toysaccessible.com, where, again, these toys are created with disabilities in mind. The manufacturers have thought, hey, what would a kid do if he only had the use of one good hand or if he was in a wheelchair or if he was blind or deaf? or had learning disabilities like how would they use this toy and so check out toysaccessible.com where you can find toys that meets the needs of kids with disabilities absolutely and if you want to send us an email to Jonathan or myself it is info at limpingoncloud9.com that is I-N-F-O at limpingoncloud9 the number 9.com and if everyone thank you for listening thank you for downloading we'll talk to you next episode see ya <laughs>